Welcome to the College Football Bros. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who is just minutes away from Venice Beach. I sure am, Michael. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who works out shirtless there every weekend. Every weekend, Trey Newman. I love it. I love it, Trey. Keep up the great work. (laughs) I love that you podcast shirtless, too. It's really great. I do. I do. Uh, And bottomless. Never mind. All right. We wouldn't know. (laughs) I guess not. True. (laughs) Anyway, great start to the episode. On today's episode... If you're a new listener, we're not always like this, I promise, but we kind of are. We are, of course, going to preview the national championship. Uh, We'll also go over the latest moves on the coaching carousel, and we will recap all of the bowl games that have happened since our last recording. Uh, But of course, let's start with that national championship on Monday, January 13th in New Orleans. Clemson takes on LSU, and LSU is favored five and a half. What do you see here, Trey? They're making us wait a long time for it, but I know. And and the more time goes on, I've I go back and forth on this game. It's really hard. I'm waffling. Uh, Ultimately, as of I guess this point, I am going to take Clemson plus the points. Okay, Uh, LSU certainly might win, especially since it's a de facto home game in New Orleans. But I'm just going to take those points. I'm just I don't want to overreact to LSU's thrashing of Oklahoma. Uh, mainly because Oklahoma was completely overmatched. And I mean, that was remarkable. It was a great performance. It's tough to pick against. But Clemson beat arguably the best team, Ohio State. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of looked at more from from that point of view. And, and then when you kind of break down the matchup, I know LSU's offense is better, but to me, it's not dramatically better. Clemson is one of the only teams to have receivers that are on par with LSU's. And then at quarterback, you know, Burrow, of course, he won the Heisman. He's playing incredibly, and he'll probably be the number one pick. But Trevor Lawrence, he's probably going to be favored to win the Heisman next year and be the number one pick next year. So he's obviously no slouch. And then at running back, I kind of like ETN a little more than Edwards Alaire, mainly because he's been healthy. And then since the offenses are pretty comparable, I looked at the defense. I I think that Clemson's defense is a little bit better than, than LSU's. Oklahoma didn't have a guy like Isaiah Simmons or or the rest of Venable's defense coming at him. So I, uh, I'm i taking the points with Clemson here. Okay. I mean, you, you definitely made some good points there. I, I haven't been waffling on this game. I've been I've been on the LSU bandwagon the whole time. I'm not going against it. I was a, I was a little worrisome about their, like you were like saying, hey, I'm not going to try to overreact to one game. But they demolished Georgia, a very good team in the SEC title game, wasn't even close. And then they especially defensively they were impressive then they go ahead and back that up again against a really good offense with OU to me you've always been sold on the LSU offense it's just could you get sold on the LSU defense and now with two really good performances in a row I am and plus they're going to get Michael Divinity back for this game I know he's probably not going to play maybe a ton but he's a good player can rush the passer he's going to play he's going to have some uh, an impact you would think so that that should help and that's just kind of the reason. I trust their defense now, and their offense is just incredible. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I know he's has he wasn't 100% healthy, but 
He's got a long two weeks here, and he at least played in that last game. He showed up, so you would think he'd be feeling much, much better for this one. So I'm I'm sticking with uh, LSU here. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, for a lot of the, the reasons you just said, I am picking LSU to win the game. Obviously, the, the offense is the best in the country. You mentioned Hilaire getting back closer to 100%, how great the defense has been playing. Of course, Christian Fulton and Derek Stingley, those are two great corners to match up with with Higgins and Ross. So so yeah, I mean, there's a ton of reasons to like LSU. It's it's impossible to to nitpick them too much. But as far as the point spread, so I'm picking LSU to win, but the point spread, and obviously I could end up being wrong here, but I just have to take five and a half points with a team that has won 29 straight games, just beat, like Trey said, you know, arguably the best team in the country in Ohio State. Obviously, LSU is uh, making their case for that. But um, and plus with Trevor Lawrence leading a, a great offense themselves, I just I, I can't lay five and a half points against a, a team like that. And I think Clemson's defense at least has the potential to get some stops. I know no one's really been able to do it um, against LSU, but maybe they can get some pressure on Burrow. Their pass rush is eighth in the country in terms of sack percentage. Their pass defense is number one in the country in both yards per attempt and total yards. So now I'm not obviously they're going to be made to look a little bit silly by LSU because LSU does that to everybody. But if they can just hold them to the you know, the the low to mid 30s in in terms of points, I think Clemson can cover that that number. Yeah, I don't know. It's like you said, Michael, LSU kind of makes everybody look silly. So yeah. I don't know. But in LSU should get Terrace Marshall back. Uh, he kind of left the, the semifinal game with a stinger in his kind of neck. So he, sh- he should be good to go. He hasn't practiced yet, but signs are pointing towards him playing. But their guard, uh, Damian Lewis, he's uh, a little bit more questionable. He I'm thinking he probably won't play. So that's losing an offensive lineman would 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 be a, would be a blow. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like to you guys that I, I, it's way more way more likely that LSU would win decisively than Clemson? Like obviously they're favored five yes. and a half, but like to me it's like I am very nervous taking Clemson because I feel I just don't see any way that Clemson will dominate LSU. That's I a think good it's point. More likely it would be the opposite. That's a good point. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think this the point spread kind of suggests that a little bit, at least. I mean, it's close to a touchdown spread in favor of LSU. So, you know, everybody kind of sees them as the better team. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's uh, we're not done talking about this game. Of course, we got a, a lot of questions about it. So first one here, if LSU wins this game comfortably, which statement is closer to accurate? So statement one is this LSU team is the best of all time. And statement two is Joe Burrow had the best season of all time. So what do you think, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go towards the uh, the Joe Burrow had the best season of all time. And, you know, LSU is obviously a very, very good team. They're undefeated and they will have beaten another very, very good team at Clemson. But they, they've had some close games this year. Texas gave them all they could handle early. You got Auburn played them close. Florida was puncher's chance with them in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they struggled to beat Alabama with two and not a hundred percent. So that's like four games right there where it was, they already were close. So who knows what's going to happen in this national title game. So yeah, their offense is amazing, but I'm not, I would be reluctant to put them in maybe in like the top 15, top 20 of all time, much less. Whoa. I mean, I'm just looking at, you can't have the recency bias here. That's kind of your calling card, Trey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, 
I I would think about it, but I don't think they're you could anybody could put them at number one and unless you're a little bit of a homer. No, I agree. They don't have a they don't have a case for that, you know, top certainly not the top four, because I just looked at uh ESPN's list that they made this year of the best teams of all time, and you go and look at number four and it's nineteen ninety five Nebraska, and that team won every game by at least two touchdowns, and they beat four teams that finished in the top ten. So obviously with those how are they number those, four yeah i know i'm not I'm, i don't know that's like uh, usually the consensus number one team it's a great list for me by the way because all of the top four were nebraska and usc so oh. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> I, feel, I felt pretty good about that my two favorite teams but but yeah anyway the, the point is lsu with the sort of quote-unquote close calls that they've had they're not in that that discussion i think for the best team of all time but I think they are certainly in the discussion. Once you get past that top five, maybe they're top 10, top 15. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's okay. so subjective after that. Yeah, it is. I, I'm going to agree with you guys in terms of I, I think that if LSU wins comfortably, the narrative to me is more that Joe Burrow had had the best season of all time. The way he's been, he's just been so efficient and so dominant the whole year. He keeps slinging it and making great plays. But just to make a final point on LSU being the best team, I, I certainly don't think that would be the case, but if you literally looked in this season into two halves, like the second half of the year, particularly the last four or five games, they're arguably playing the best, you know, we've ever seen. But of course, you can't look at it that way. You got to right. look at the whole season as a body. Yeah. And just to add more to to Joe Burrow's case for the for his argument for the, the best season of all time, because that he obviously has a great ar- argument. It'll be. He'll be 15 and 0 national champion. He'll have won the Heisman in the biggest landslide ever. 78% completions. He's got 59 total touchdowns, only six picks. And on the ground, he's been what they said in that uh the Peach Bowl, the announcer said that he was the most efficient runner at getting first downs. Like the highest percentage of his oh, runs I think I heard that. result in first downs, something like that. So it's just crazy what what he's been been able to do this year. So I don't think at the end of this year, at, you know, after uh, the game, if they won and Burrow has a great game, you can't say definitively that anyone's had a better season than Joe Joe Burrow. No, no way. He'll be in that that discussion. Uh, so who's Joe Brady going to be coaching for next year? I mean, <laughs> hey, maybe you know? uh, maybe Baylor. Well, we'll yeah. see. We'll get to that. Um, but probably LSU. Yeah, you think? I think he'll still be there. I mean, there's only a couple jobs left. So yeah, true. Anyway, um, next question. If Clemson wins the game, which statement is closer to accurate? Uh, the first one, Clemson could be on track to being the greatest dynasty of all time. Or the second statement, Trevor Lawrence could be on track to be the greatest college football player of all time. What do you think, Trey? I got to go with statement one, Clemson being on track for the greatest dynasty. I mean, this would be back-to-back, undefeated 15-0 and seasons. They're, it's their fifth straight playoff appearance, four of the five they've been in the title. Uh, and then if they obviously won it here, they would have won three out of the last four. You know, only Alabama and Nebraska could can lay, to that, uh, lay that claim over the last 25, 30 years to be that dominant over a stretch. Now, I will say the ACC obviously has been more inferior uh, relative to the other power conferences but when the dynasty started remember florida state wasn't terrible louisville was solid they had lamar jackson he won the heisman miami kind of showed some flashes so 
Either way, it's been quite a run by Dabo. And you still got to win two extremely hard games at the end of the right. year. So it's it's not like you're just giving it to them. Yeah, especially because in last year's game, I mean, that Alabama team they beat, they legitimately had a case to be the best of all time. Yeah. They yeah. won that game and Clemson they had won by, them. That was like the Nebraska team. They had won every game by at least double digits. So, right. oh boy, did it again. <laughs> at least they won a few by triple digits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Ugh, dang. Okay, but f- for this question, Trey, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to th- I'm going to say that uh Trevor Lawrence being on track to be the greatest college football player of all time is is closer to being true. Both of these statements have a chance of being true for sure. Um but I'm going with Trevor Lawrence because so if he wins this game and then next year wins the Heisman and national title, which are somewhat big ifs but not huge. I mean, he could definitely do it. Then he will have won three national championships. He'll have three great statistical seasons. He'll have a Heisman Trophy. Like, there's not much else you can do. Yeah, that's true. So he might have an undefeated record as a starter. It would be that would be insane. He'd be he'd be up there. Yeah, I feel like these these kind of go hand in hand with each other because mm-hmm. it, it's really a lot about next year. If they win the national title next year, that's four out of five. And well, if they if they win this year, I should say we're kind of right. Well, we're yeah. The question assumes that so that'd be four out of five. That's pretty much about the best dynasty you've had in recent in modern college football. So that's that. And then also Lawrence would have won all those national titles in a row. So they go hand in hand. If Clemson wins this year, yes, then. So I, I don't really know which late way to lean. I'll go towards more towards Clemson having the best dynasty because maybe next year I don't know if you look at it. Lawrence's freshman year, what? He was really good, but he didn't start the year. And then the the beginning of this year, about the first six games, wasn't like amazing. What you know, Joe wasn't even close to consider consideration for the Heisman. So mm-hmm. maybe that just little subtle difference is the reason why I'll take the closer to the dynasty one. Okay, uh, let's get to some over unders, and we'll start with over under sixty nine and a half total points scored in the game. All right. Uh, I'm going over and you know, both these offenses are obviously very, very good. And I just see the game being played through the air for the most part, which means a lot of plays, a lot of possessions, a lot of chances to score. It's going to be a long drawn out game in my opinion. And I, I just think they're going to score a lot. So yeah, I'm going over. This is, a, this is a tough one for me because Clemson's last three appearances in the championship, they've put up 44, 35 and 40 points. And then on the other side, obviously, we know LSU's offense is pretty much unstoppable. But I kind of just on principle, I got to take the under here. It's a game that's heavily bet by the public. Everyone, of course, the storyline is Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and the offense. So maybe there's a little bit of value in taking the under. And also just because this is going to be the best defense LSU has faced. Clemson's defense is number one in Massey Peabody. So if there's ever a time they're going to show that they're human, maybe it's this game. And I'm I'm also going with the under mainly because I picked Clemson. A little bit of a correlated parlay here, where I feel like the only chance, in my opinion, if Clemson's going to win or cover, is to keep it as low scoring as possible. I just I don't know if they could win a total shootout. I mean, they're obviously capable, but LSU's just been a scoring machine. So I think I'm going to take the under because the defenses too could kind of feel each other out in the in the first say quarter just to kind of get their feet wet and then mm-hmm. then the scoring opens up but it'll barely stay under maybe 
All right, let's uh, get to some player props here. So we have a list of of props in front of us from an online sports book that doesn't sponsor us. So I'm not going to mention them. Um, but if they'd like to, then hey, we'll mention them all they want. We love money. So <laughs> anyway, we each have to choose two best bets here. So I'll get us started with Trevor Lawrence. I'm going under 52 and a half rushing yards. So had 52 and a half been the line every game for him this season, the under would have gone 11 and three. Now, three of those overs came in the last five games. So he has been running a lot more, obviously, because during the regular season, they're not going to run him a bunch. They're not going to risk injury. Yeah, they were dominating everybody. But still, I think LSU is going to be ready for his legs because of what happened in that Ohio State game. And I think maybe that was just a, a function of their game plan against Ohio State. It seemed like they came into that game just committed to running Lawrence a lot. I think he had, I want to say, 16 carries. I think it'll be slightly less in this game or significantly less. Significantly fewer. Third time's a charm. <laughs> there you go. We're on the same page because I, I looked at that one as well and I I went under. Just I know the added dimension of of him running could be a difference maker in this game. He had 107 versus Ohio State, but 67 of it was on that one, you know, amazing run he had. Right. Uh, but like you said, Michael, I don't think it's going to really take LSU by surprise. And they just held Jalen Hurts, who's an even better runner, to only 43 yards. So I'll go. Uh, I'll go under 52 and a half here as well. All right. Yeah. I, you know, if I bet that one, I'd I'd go with you guys there too. I'd take the under. Um, but I'm going to go towards uh, Justin Ross here. I think he goes over 65 and a half uh, receiving yards. You're going to kind of notice a theme here in my line of thinking with the in regards to this game. But I just feel like Clemson's going to have to pass a lot in order to keep up with LSU. So I just like the passing game numbers here. I think uh, Ross is going to have a huge game. He showed it last year in the championship game. He just went off and had some some amazing catches and. You know, just they're going to have to try to throw some balls that are questionable. They're going to throw some deep balls that gonna need to, they're going to need T. Higgins and Justin Ross to make plays. So I think Ross will make a few of those catches and go over. All right. Well, neither of my picks were unique then because, Trey, you are you are with me on the under on Trevor Lawrence. Ryan, I'm with you on the over Justin Ross. That was that was the one I chose as well. Um, and just the fact that he seems to come up big in big games. You mentioned the the championship game last year. But also in that uh, Notre Dame semifinal, he had close to 150 yards receiving. And this year, their biggest regular season game was probably A&M, 94 yards in that one against uh, Virginia in the ACC championship, 94 yards. So he tends to come up big in the big games. And yes, against Ohio State, he only had 47 yards. But I think Ohio State's defense is, you know, a notch better than than LSU. So. That's my pick. Ryan, I kind of like your your theme of of the passing here because I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence over 279 and a half passing yards. Uh, not because I, I think he's going to shred the LSU defense, but there is a decent chance that Clemson will be playing from behind and will really be relying on that pass game. LSU, if it gets even later, if they have like a two-score lead or something, they might be willing to give up uh, some yards late with, with that lead, so... I know LSU's played better in the last few games, but I'll say Lawrence goes over to 279 and a half. Okay, I like that one. Um, I'm going to go to a ground game here, but uh, I'm going to take the under on Travis Etienne. He's getting, uh, what's that, 94 and a half rushing yards. 
I just don't think they're going to pound them too much in this game. I think they'll, like I said, I think it's going to be an air, air it out type of feel. And don't see him getting, I think he'll get involved a lot in the passing game. If you'd, if there was an all purpose bet, I'd probably take the over on that with him, but not on rushing yards. Okay. There you go. Uh, we, none of us took the over or under on Joe Burrow's passing yards, but I just had to bring it up. 369 and a half is the over under. That, that is, is so I mean, you crazy. gotta go under there. I mean, it's, that's so much. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. You gotta go under, man. I don't know. I couldn't. That's, I mean, well, that's a lot. It is a lot, but, especially against the number one defense, you know, number one pass defense, at least statistically in the country. It's, it's crazy, but when that's it, what, when it seems too high. Maybe it's not high enough. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Um, okay. Uh, before we get into our segments, just one last question. Any, anything we didn't bring up in this championship game that you guys want to say, or did we cover what we wanted to? I mean, do you guys, do you guys weigh any stock into coaching matchups here? Like, like, do you think that since Dabo's been here, he has a major coaching advantage against Eddie O or is that just overplayed? I think it's probably a little bit overplayed, especially because I have a lot of confidence in Joe Brady on the other side and in Dave Aranda defensively. So I don't know. I just have, and it just seems like this LSU team has every big game they've played in. They've risen to the occasion. They don't seem like they're, they're going to be scared or anything like that. I agree. I don't think it matters in this particular matchup. Yeah. They've, they've played their best in the biggest moments and the times where you think they're going to show humanity and just like not quite be amazing they just they continue to be amazing like look at the first half of the semifinal game yeah give me a break um okay well i do have one last comment here and it is a lock none of us made a a lock bet ah yet on this podcast but my is my lock of the year really lock of the decade it's gonna be about like an announcer mentioning no he's gonna take the tigers i'm taking Uh, the tigers (laughs) very good trey very good (laughs) i I figured when he said lock of the decade it was (laughs) That's just yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to some segments here. We'll start with the coaching carousel. Joe Moorhead. He uh, survived the Egg Bowl, but he did not survive the Music City Bowl. He got fired. What do you guys think about this move, and, and what candidates out there do you like? As far as the move, I don't have a problem with it. The problem I have, though, is is the timing like you like you yeah. mentioned they apparently retained him after the egg bowl and now they're now they're not after the bowl game uh but i overall i think they just weren't heading in the right direction there didn't seem to be a lot of momentum i know he only had two years but it just it wasn't on an uptick and mississippi state twitterverse right now it's uh they're up in arms they're beside themselves during this coaching search it's it's kind of fun to go watch them kind of melt down right now uh, <laughs> but uh I'll let you guys talk on on some of the candidates and I can chime in after. No, yeah, that's the thing. You you mentioned the timing and that's just what's the the craziest thing about this. I I don't see why they didn't fire him right after the egg bowl. I mean, it, it took a guy, you know, peeing like a dog to <laughs> to save his job. I, I don't know. It just it's the things were clearly not going in the right direction then so if you knew this was a possibility why would you let it go on and now you're a month behind the coaching search and there's not that many great candidates left but we'll see we'll see who they come up with before we i I get get too too down on the firing Um, yeah candidates i mean the main guys it's kind of i don't know you got todd grantham he's kind of a name that's getting thrown out there florida d coordinator that seems to be the name that's getting thrown around there the most at least 
as we record this. And I don't know, to me, that's pretty underwhelming. I know he's been, you know, pretty good. He's been good everywhere, just about everywhere he's been as a defensive coordinator. But it's not like Grantham's name's been thrown out there in, in any of the high profile job openings. So I don't know. It seems kind of like they'd be settling. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I'd be a little discouraged just with the fact that he hasn't really have any, he doesn't have any head coaching experience. He, he does have an SEC track record, but the other name, I, I would be a little more excited if, if they were going after Dave Aranda. Like he, because okay. in Mississippi, Ole Miss, they got, uh, Lane Kiffin. So there's already some, some fire and some, some passion there. Mississippi State, Go, might go with a, a younger guy like Aranda. He could at least bring some energy, I think, to the program, and I wouldn't mind him. I think that would be a good hire if they could get him. But yeah, Billy Napier, he uh, I think would have been a home run hire. He's a rising star, but he do. seemingly has declined to to be a candidate. So at least that's what he said. So they also was, uh, mentioned Skip Holtz, which yeah, he's done pretty well at Louisiana Tech, but his USF record was a little alarming yeah not great i am uh i'm on twitter right now i i kind of just tune you guys out as during the podcast good uh so this is a tweet from aaron Suttles, and he says there is some real interest on both sides between alabama offensive coordinator steve sarkeesian and mississippi state it's something to keep an eye on yikes so what do you guys think of that? I know I'm asking for a live reaction here, but I mean, he recruited pretty well at, at UW and USC, if I'm not mistaken. For sure. Yeah, I would be. Uh, I like it better than Todd Grantham. Uh, I tell you that. But yeah, that I'll go there. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Well, it'll be interesting. Yep. Uh, next one we have here. Some very sad news. Matt Rule is leaving Baylor to become the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Ryan, we got to go to you first. How? How devastated are you? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a Carolina Panthers fan now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, it's for whatever reason, Rule has gotten a lot of this NFL attention for the last yeah, he few really years. Has. I know. I don't know why, but even when he was at like Temple, his name was still being mentioned. And right. I was like, what? What am I not? I don't I, know. It's so, really weird. But so I guess I'm not totally surprised by this move. You know, you take advantage of what he's done. He's, he turned around two programs like unbelievably. So, um, but as far as uh, replacements, I, I mean, the guy that makes sense is Joey McGuire, their associate head coach. He was uh, uh, the led Cedar Hill in Texas, a famous powerhouse program there. So he obviously has the the ties and just to kind of keep the train moving, I guess would be, that'd be a good, you couldn't fault that if they did that. Yeah, when we got a a, a five star review, which by the way, everyone listening can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, this is Joe M. Yeah, some guy mentioned Joe M. A Baylor fan did, and someone on Instagram said that he was making a Joe Mama, a Joe <laughs> Joe M. was a Joe Mama joke. I, I'm I, gonna say it was more of this guy here. I thought the, it was this. I thought it might be Joey McGuire too. So yeah. Anyway, or Joe Moorhead. Oh, true. No. Could have been. Or Joe Montana. Man, this is a mystery. Whoever wow. left that review, yeah. tell us who you were referring to with Joe M. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the continuity hire, which would seem to make some sense. Um, as far as outside candidates, it's kind of all the usual suspects. The Maybe Billy Napier, Luke Fickle, Josh Heupel, Willie Fritz. Um, just kind of all those names that are typically thrown out there. Joe Brady is one that I, yeah, Joe Brady. I saw listed. That would be interesting. 
Yeah. You know, because it's not, I mean, the, your first year, whoever the coach is, is there, like, they're walking into a pretty good situation for your first year, and then it's up to you but to it's also keep the, the train rolling. But kind of like Michael said, like, Rule really set himself up real well here because you know, a few, three years ago, he went one and 11. I was like, okay, I, I've got nowhere to go it up. So, so I've got <laughs> yeah. some time and some patience and people are going to think I'm amazing if I just get to a bowl game. But so guy coming in now is going to have some high expectations. True. So that is no the doubt. problem, the high expectations, because what they went 11 and three this year. I mean, even rule would have struggled to reach 11 wins again. Oh yeah, no doubt. Because they were, of course they did lose a couple of close ones to, to OU, but they won a lot of close games against some mediocre teams. So yep. yeah, this would have been a tough, tough act to follow. Um, but okay, we'll keep our eye on that opening. Next piece of news we have is that Tua Tungavailoa held a press conference and announced he is going pro. So what are your thoughts on this, Ryan? And who's going to be Alabama's quarterback next year? I don't know. If you don't really need to hold a press conference to say you're going pro, just get it out there. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> All right, whatever. Anyways. He, I nobody. Everybody knew he was going to go pro. I mean, he had three good years at Alabama. Some There's, people thought maybe he'd come back. I don't that's, know. Then they're silly. There's no <laughs> okay. reason for him to come back. He got injured. There's no. He, he's in kind of injury prone, obviously. So it's like he got, he's got to move on. He's going to be a first round pick. Take the the money and run. And what else has he got to prove at the college level? It's just there's just no no reason for him to come back. Mm-hmm. I I I agree. Well. I don't entirely agree with the way you said it, but I do agree that he, uh, it was the right move by Tua because even if he came back and he was healthy, odds are he was still going to be the second or third quarterback taken because next year's number one spot's pretty much reserved for Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, yeah. barring some. And then you got potentially Justin Fields there too. Yeah. So, you know, he would have had, it was no shoe in for him next year either. So uh, I, uh, I don't have a problem with Tua going. It sucks for college football, but right. Well, he's going to go down as one of the best players ever to to not win a Heisman. He's number one in college football history and pass efficiency rating, and it's by a pretty wide margin. So obviously, he's uh, one of the all time greats. As far as who's going to replace him, Mac Jones would would have to be the betting favorite right now, just the way he's played against some pretty good defenses. Yeah, look, I mean, take a look at his stats. I know they're he great, really well against Auburn and Michigan. Yeah. I mean, his stats are, I mean, almost Heisman caliber in most years. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you've got Bryce Young, the five-star true freshman who's enrolling early. So he'll probably be pushing him. Obviously, Talia Tungavaloa was going to be in the race. And then maybe, maybe Jamie Newman. Ooh, oh, my gosh. Ooh, uh, yeah. He's, that's some more news. He's transferring away from Wake Forest, so he will... Probably be the most highly sought after uh, quarterback transfer, I would think. Well, him and Derek King, if Derek's going to yeah, go. True. So we will see. And then there's obviously a lot of other, you know, transfers and draft declarations and coordinator hires, but we're going to wait till the offseason once that's kind of all been fleshed out to, to get to those. And quite frankly, we just, we need some time to fill in the offseason. We got to save some content. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long offseason. It's pretty uh, bleak in the, the springtime. It does. Um, but okay, let's uh, let's get to some bowl recaps, though. Let's get caught up here, and we will start on New Year's Eve, Trey. 
Yeah, the Valero Alamo Bowl had Utah against Texas. The Longhorns won 38-10. to Crazy. Tom Herman continued his bowl success with a dominant win. Sam, Sam Ellinger had, had four total touchdowns. And what was kind of surprising was Texas dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They had 13 tackles for loss. And then on offense, they ran for 231 on the nation's statistically best run defense. And, you know, big picture, unfortunately for the Utes, arguably their best season ever. And it really ended with a dud in, in their two biggest games getting just blown out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a rough way to finish. No doubt about it. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We got the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. It was uh, Navy and K-State. It was a great game. Um, Malcolm Perry, he rushed for over 200 yards, did his thing. But, I mean, I could just skip to the play of the game here. It was 17-all, and C.J. Williams, well, Navy ran a trick play, and C.J. Williams hit uh, Chance Warren for a 41-yard pass. Uh, to that kind of that set up the uh, the game winning field goal for for Navy as time expired, but I mean that was just a classic win. Great for Navy though. Yeah, yeah, definitely a great game. Um, moving on to the Belk Bowl, Kentucky beat Virginia Tech thirty seven thirty. Another great game, and the story in this one obviously Lynn Bowden. He did throw a punch before the game, but ended up playing great. So kind of <laughs> made amends if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, uh, thirty four carries. 233 yards and two touchdowns for him and the final drive was crazy we'll just fast forward to that so kentucky was down by six with eight minutes left at their own 15 yard line and lynn bowden led an 18 play 85 yard touchdown drive to pretty much end the game 12 of them were runs by him 12 of those plays and the last one with 15 seconds left he threw uh, the game winning touchdown 13 yard touchdown to win it wasn't great clock management, I think, by Kentucky that at the end of that drive, it got a little dicey, but ended up working out. And so Kentucky goes eight and five playing a good chunk of the season without, you know, a, a true quarterback. So crazy good coaching job by by Eddie Grant and that that staff. Um, it was also Bud Foster's last game. So not a not a great ending, but a great career. No doubt. Well, from an exciting game to a Different type of exciting game. <laughs> Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, Florida State against Arizona State. Florida State should have won this game, but they lost 20 to 14. The Seminoles outgained ASU 470 to 282, but they turned it over six times. <laughs> there were four yeah, picks I mean, by James Blackman, and a couple you're just like, you're just scratching your head, like, what is he doing? And the decisive one was he threw a pick six uh, late that ended up doing them in. And you know it's an ugly game when the MVP was Jaden Daniels, but his stat line, he was only 12 of 28 for 195 yards and no scores. Not great. <laughs> it, was, it, was a ru- it was a rough Sun Bowl. Well, not for ASU. Would you say it was great? Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to mute that. I'm going to edit that one out. Alrighty. I'm not going to. I didn't think you were. Or am I? No, you won't. Okay. All right. We're going to the uh, Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. This was a dud of a game. Wyoming and Georgia State. Cowboys offense actually woke up, though, in this one. They uh, they had over 500 yards of total offense and easily won this game, 38-17. Zavian Valade, he had a very big game, uh, rushing for over 200 yards and nearly 100 yards receiving, so all-purpose was a huge game for him. Uh, but Craig Bowl, Wyoming, 
another good year, eight and five. He's got to go in there in Laramie. Yeah, solid. Uh, moving on to New Year's Day, the All-State Sugar Bowl, Georgia against Baylor. And Georgia's offense was, of course, shorthanded going into the game. Injuries at receiver, some players sitting out on the offensive line, but ended up at least having a solid first half offensively. They led 19 to nothing and held on to win 26 to 14. Big game from George Pickens, true freshman receiver. 12 catches, 175 yards and a touchdown. So that kind of bodes well going into next year. Samir White had an efficient game on the ground, another freshman. So some pieces to be excited about for for Georgia offensively. And Baylor's offense just really couldn't get much going. Charlie Brewer had a couple turnovers and actually went out with an injury late in the game. Another scary kind of head injury or neck injury. Uh, but apparently, might need to retire. I know he's he had two con- concussions this year. This one, they haven't said... I think Matt Rule said that it was not a concussion and that he passed protocol, but I don't know. I'm, He's, I'm skeptical. The previous one was brutal. So I, I I'm, yeah, kids got to be careful. Yeah, it's not great. Not, not great to see. Um, but anyway, nice win for Georgia. And now we just await Jake Fromm's decision. Yep. All right. Next was the Rose Bowl at Oregon and Wisconsin, of course. The Ducks won an exciting one, 28 to 27, but it was it was kind of a weird game. The Ducks ended up winning because Justin Herbert and his legs, uh, he had three rushing touchdowns. He didn't, he wasn't all that great through the air, but, uh, and, and they need, they needed him on the ground because Wisconsin held the Ducks to only 204 yards. But the reason the Badgers ended up losing was they had four turnovers themselves. There were, this game was kind of weird because they had, there were six lead changes and a lot of odd plays. The biggest was when Wisconsin's punter straight up just dropped the ball and Brady Breeze picked it up and ran for a touchdown for Oregon. That was, you just don't see that every day. That's, no. That was a rough one. Oh, for, he had trouble with the snap. Yeah, it was kind of similar. Yeah. I mean, the Badgers themselves early in the game, they returned to kick off for a touchdown, but overall they couldn't really get Jonathan Taylor going. He had 94 yards, despite the fact that Wisconsin had the ball for 38 minutes and they, they still couldn't get him, get him churning. Uh, so now Wisconsin, they've been to the Rose Bowl four times in the last 10 years, but they've lost all of them. Ouch. But at least they're getting there. They are. <laughs> uh, Nebraska, right, we'll, take, we'll the... take four Rose Bowl losses. Sign me up. Yeah, I'll yeah. take that in a heartbeat, man. <laughs> uh, all right. We got the Outback Bowl here. Uh, this is another good game. We had Minnesota and Auburn, and I'm glad Minnesota ended up winning this one. They deserved it. They really controlled this game. They were the better team. They had more than double the amount of total yards uh, than Auburn, uh, but it it took a seventy three yard touchdown pass from uh, to a, to a Tyler Johnson to kind of seal the game here for for Minnesota. He had a huge day, had twelve catches uh, for two hundred four yards and two touchdowns. So Minnesota they ended up getting the thirty one twenty four victory. They finished eleven and two. Tanner Morgan's coming back, so there's uh, some excitement there uh, going on up there in Minneapolis. Okay, Verbo Citrus Bowl is next. Alabama beat Michigan 35-16, to but it was really a lot closer than that score would indicate. Michigan actually led at halftime 16-14, to and it was still, uh, I think, a five-point game going into the fourth quarter, but Alabama, of course, pulled away late, and they even uh, ran in for that final touchdown when they could have taken a knee. Yeah. So nice little FU from from Nick Saban to, to Jim Harbaugh. I don't mind it. Um and Mac Jones, we talked about him earlier. He pretty much filled in for Tua and 
I, the offense kind of didn't skip a beat. Jerry Judy in this game, six catches, 204 yards and a touchdown. So great final game for him. Might have helped his draft stock a little bit. Um, and then just one last, I got to say this crazy stat that's been making the rounds. Kickers this season were 20 for 20 against Alabama on field goals. Oh, wow. They never missed. Isn't that crazy? And in this huh. one, Nordine hit a 57-yarder. Oh, wow. Oh, that's right. Yeah, just crazy. And he, that Nordine 57-yarder, tied for the longest field goal in Michigan history with? Um, Michigan field goal kicker. Mm-hmm. Son of a gun. Um, Went to the same high school as us. Drew Bennett. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, he ended up going to like BC, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't work out. No, he didn't. I don't even think it was Drew Bennett. But yeah, I think that it's Billy Bennett. But Billy anyway. Bennett, there it is. He went to our high school? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he kicked for He would Michigan? be there kicking field goals when we were in high school, and he was like out of out of work in the NFL. Oh, that's right, that guy. I don't know his name. Hayden Epstein. Oh, there it is. There you go. Fail. Yeah, I should have got that. All right, from, from that more exciting game to this dud, the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl... Boston College played Cincinnati. The Bearcats just destroyed BC 38-6. to The game got delayed for an hour and a half, and Boston College ended up kind of wishing that they had back-to-back years of rainouts in their bowl games. <laughs> Cincinnati just dominated them in every stat. They held Boston College to only 164 yards. They had a 33-8 to first down advantage, and they had the ball for over 41 minutes. Desmond Ritter... Uh, he led the Cincy offense in rushing, and he had four total touchdowns. So after back-to-back close losses to Memphis, the Bearcats, they won their bowl game. They finished with 11 wins for the second straight year. Great job by Luke Fickle. Yeah, they go 11-3 and three with a loss to Ohio State and two losses at Memphis. That's a pretty darn good year. Not bad. They actually, they go to Lincoln, Nebraska next year, I'm a, and they, they return a lot, so I'm... Yeah, I'm afraid of that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we got the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Indiana and Tennessee. This was crazy. Uh, Indiana controlled the game for most of the the game here for about 55 minutes. Uh, they were up 22 to nine uh, with five minutes to go, or about five minutes to go. And I'm sure a lot of you heard this stat that came out that teams were 471 and 0 this year when they were up by 13 points or more with about under five minutes to go, and that surprises me. Like that's know, only two it does, scores. Right? It doesn't seem that crazy. I yeah. know that that surprised me too. I thought it would have been like twenty one or something. That but that's crazy. So, anyways, we all ended up knowing what happened here. The Tennessee they scored a touchdown with just over four minutes left, and Indiana was clearly not expecting the uh, the onside kick uh, <laughs> coming wow. from Tennessee. Surprise one there. I mean, shouldn't have been, but Tennessee got the uh, onside kick and proceeded to score again and take the lead 23-22 and ended up winning the game. So, I mean, it's six wins in a row for Tennessee to finish the year. Crazy. Yeah, definitely a lot of lot of momentum going into next year, if that's a thing, which I think it is not, but it helps for the fans. Why not? Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Why not? I mean, things, things after week two, I mean... Things were looking very ugly in Knoxville. No, so. very true. Very true. Uh, okay. Friday, January 3rd, we had the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Ohio against Nevada. And Ohio pretty much controlled this game the entire way, ended up winning 30 to 21. But Nevada wide receiver Elijah Cooks had a ridiculous game 14 catches, 197 yards, and a touchdown. So 
great game from him, but unfortunately his defense could not stop Ohio's running game. And Nathan Rourke closes out his his amazing career with a win. And the best part of the game, though, was at the very end when they dumped not Gatorade on Frank Solich, yeah. but French fries, because of course it's potato <laughs> bowl. And he ate one of them, which they had it had to have been a cold French fry and not good. I'm assuming yeah, it assuming it was. Hey, you got an extension too. Oh, I didn't see that. Very nice. Two year extension for for Frank. He just he's very, very solid every year there. But they they said there I don't know the exact stat, but they said Ohio but pre Frank Solich had only been to, I don't know, say a couple bowl games and then oh, yeah, since he's been there, he's just blown every record they've had out of the water historically. Yeah. And a lot of years they've I feel like they've been, especially recently, been the best team in the Mac. But they've never won it, right? Under yeah, they have. Yeah. They've been kind of snake bit. Yeah, yeah, can't get over the hump, but they're good enough. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. The Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl had Southern Miss and Tulane. Tulane won this thirty to thirteen, but this game would have been much different had Southern Miss quarterback Jack Abraham not got knocked out in the first half. Abraham led Southern Miss to a thirteen nothing lead, and they were up thirteen to six at half. But in the second half, without him. Their offense couldn't do anything, and Tulane really took advantage. Justin McMillan threw three touchdown passes, including a 52-yarder to Jalen McCleskey, and that really started uh, Tulane's run. They had a 24-point third quarter to to clinch it. All right, we're our last game finally, Ryan. Yep, poor fiend. All right, we got the uh, the Lending Tree Bowl. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette against Miami of Ohio. Miami did the best they could to to ugly the game up and try to keep it close with uh without a real potent offense of theirs. Um they they did a good job of it. Uh, they were down one score in the fourth quarter and made it interesting, but Louisiana got a late field goal to kind of seal the deal. So Lafayette they get 11 wins now. Billy Napier just a uh, killing it down there in Cajun land. Uh awesome year for them. All right, we are all caught up now on our bowl games. Just one more game to go, national championship. So hope everyone enjoys watching that. Thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. We are going to next week, of course, recap the national championship and say goodbye to the 2019 season. So be sure you're subscribed. We still go every week during the off season. So stick with us. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.